0: Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. How many of you guys are ready for the word of the Lord today? Good. Good. As Angel said at the end of the buzz, we, uh, we started the book of Jeremiah. We started Jeremiah last Sunday this week in our reading plan. We've read... Uh, up until Jeremiah 25 was yesterday, today our reading is 26, 27, uh, 26, 27, 28, 29 is in our reading plan today. So Jeremiah 29, 11, very popular verse, often quoted verse. I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, give you hope, a future, and expected end, not plans to harm you. Uh, it's a verse that, that many of us, if we've grown up in church, have heard. That's in our reading plan for today. And so like Pastor Angel said, if you've fallen behind Just jump in today, jump in where we're at. As we go through, I'll be continuing to preach on what we've read that week. Those of you maybe are just joining us. We've been reading through the Bible together chronologically. So we started in January with Genesis and reading through. If you need a copy of the reading plan, we do have some uh, physical copies at the Welcome Center. You can stop by and pick up one of those copies. You can download the Dream City Omaha app. The, the reading plan is in the app. Also, want to say if you're taking notes today, uh, you probably already know about the app. If you're not taking notes today and you haven't downloaded the Dream City app, download the app. All of my notes are in there, scriptures are in there, and then there's places for you to, to fill in the blanks and, and and put in what God is revealing to you as well. And so just want to encourage you in that. But we've been we've been reading through the the Old Testament, and at this point in our reading, we've we've we're right in the, the beginning of the Babylonian exile. We've read this week Nebuchadnezzar has, has come. He's there. He's besieged Jerusalem. He's taken Uh, captives back to Babylon with him. And and it's not a one-time event when we get back into Kings and we see some of the historical context, what happens. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes, he lays siege to to Jerusalem. Um, One of the kings of Judah stops paying taxes. That doesn't make Nebuchadnezzar happy. So he comes and he takes 10,000 people back captive with him. And about 10 years later, there's another rebellion in Jerusalem. So he comes back. Now he takes more people and he doesn't just take people. He destroys the walls. He destroys the temple. And so historically, that's kind of where we find ourselves. And it's right in the middle of this time that Jeremiah is is called by God to to serve and to act as a prophet. I told you when we began Isaiah that the the prophet was the one between God and between men, kind of acting as a mouthpiece for God. God would give the prophet words and and, and commands and instructions of encouragement, of encouragement, Uh, Of rebuke, of correction, and the prophet's job was then to go and say, here's what God is saying to us as a group of people. Jeremiah is one of those prophets. Contrary to popular belief, Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. He was a prophet. He was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. We remember that when David became king, the the nation of Israel was unified. After Solomon, because of of sin that they had allowed to creep in, the kingdom has been split. Israel in the north, Judah, which consists of the tribe of Judah, tribe of Benjamin in the south. The north has been conquered by Assyria at this point. Now the, the south, the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is knocking on their door. And God, the entire time throughout the prophets, is just crying out to his people, come back. Why have you left me? Why are you wandering? Why are you walking away? And we see that played out in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we get, we get messages of correction from God. In Jeremiah, we get God crying out about how his, his heart is broken. Angel, we were talking this week, and she said, Jeremiah might be one of my new favorite books because as a high empath that she is, she feels God's heart in Jeremiah. As God is communicating to his people for Angel, she just feels like if you're ever around Angel, just know that whatever you're feeling, she's feeling happy, sad, or otherwise. It's not just that she can recognize it in you, but that she can literally feel it. I ha, <laughs> thank God I'm not that way. I don't feel like I can sympathize with you. I can, I can, I can feel bad for you. But Angel feels bad with you. And so she feels God's heart in this text because he's crying out and, and his heart is revealed. We, we see also words of encouragement from God because as they go into captivity this week, we we've read how that God says, it's not going to be forever. You're going to be in Babylon and yes, you're going to be there for a while, but it's not forever. You're going to be there for 70 years. So just like prepare yourselves, get ready, build houses, have kids, marry your kids off, raise families, he says in Jeremiah chapter 29. And so we see this play out in in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter chapter one gives us a little bit of context into who this man is when he serves. Verse number one says that uh, these are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah. Now, Jeremiah, obviously, these are words from God spoken by Jeremiah, probably taken and in and, and put together by his scribe or his secretary, a man named Baruch he mentions himself in this 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 book often, but off pretty much what 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 you what likely happened is Jeremiah would get a word of the Lord he would share it, and then his scribe would write it down and then he compiled all the all the teachings, all the prophecies given to Jeremiah and composed what we now have as the book of Jeremiah. But it says that Jeremiah was the son of a man named Hilkiah. Now, last week, we studied the the king by the name of Josiah, and how that Josiah, he, he sought to renovate the temple because the previous kings had let it go to waste. And so he hired construction workers. He raised the funds. And, and as they're working on the temple, the priest happens to find the book of the law, the scroll that contained the law given to Moses. Does anybody remember the name of the priest who found the scroll in the temple? Hilkiah was the name of the priest. So Hilkiah was the name of the priest who, when Josiah was renovating the temple, finds the scroll, brings it to the king, reads it to the king, or has the, the secretary read it to the king. Now we're told that Hilkiah is also a man named Hilkiah, the father of Jeremiah. Now we're not told explicitly that it's the same Hilkiah, but the way that my brain works, like it has to be. And so if you ask me, probably same guy. Could I say it definitively? No. But for those of you Bible and history geeks out there, that one was just for you. One of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, the Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the the reign of King Zedekiah, another of Josiah's sons. And in August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. So it gives us kind of a a historical context. At this point in history, we are two-thirds of the way to Jesus. I know I'm counting off the days, but but we're getting there. We're two-thirds of the way there. In Matthew chapter 1, we, we are told that it's 14 generations from Abraham to King David. It's another 14 generations from King David to the Babylonian exile, which is where we find ourselves in the text. And then it's another 14 generations from the exile until the Messiah. So we are two-thirds of the way historically into being introduced to the Messiah, We're going to be celebrating Christmas October 1st. You can can mark it on your calendars. October 1st is Christmas Day at Dream City Church. And we might just set up the the trees and everything else because December 25th this year is a Sunday morning. And so we might just celebrate Christmas October 1st this year. Uh, I'm not saying that that's when Jesus was born. I'm saying that's when we're getting to Jesus in our chronological reading plan. Although he was probably born middle of September and we'll talk about that in October. <laughs> but as we look at the book of Jeremiah, like I said, angel, you, you, you can feel, you can sense God's heart for his people. You can see and God communicates his broken heart over his people. Jeremiah often referred to as the weeping prophet because oftentimes he'll weep for his country. He'll weep for his countrymen. He'll cry out to God, begging God to delay the judgment that God has spoken. We see that throughout the the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah continues a lot of the imagery that we've read up until this point. We've read how that God compares himself to, to a father whose child has wandered astray. We've seen how that God compares himself to a husband whose wife has been unfaithful. And that imagery really continues throughout the book of Jeremiah, predominantly in the opening of the book of Jeremiah. He says, says things in Jeremiah chapter two, like you've prostituted yourself out to other lovers. He goes so far in verse 33 of chapter, t- t- chapter two to say that an, even an experienced prostitute can learn things from you. Jeremiah 233 Even an experienced prostitute can learn from you because of how you've treated me and you've sought other lovers and we we see this imagery play out Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 1 a, a word comes to Jeremiah and here's what God says go and shout this message to Jerusalem this is what the Lord says I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago He's recounting what it, what it used to be like. He's recounting how the relationship used to be. I remember when you loved me. I remember, I remember the good times that we've had. And, and today, we, we as a church, we, first service, celebrated my parents. Because today is their actual 40th anniversary. And I think we need to... And you weren't here first service, but we... We called them up first service and we, we gave flowers and we, we gave dad a, a Harley Davidson. No, I'm just kidding, we didn't do that. He's like, w- I missed the bike, where was the bike? We called them up, and we honored them and, and because the, today is their 40th wedding anniversary and we renewed their vows on the, they renewed their vows, we, they renewed their vows on the beach uh, last week as, as a family, we were down there together. But, but I wonder at, at 40 years, Are there conversations, as you've been thinking this week and you've been looking forward to this day, conversations thinking back on what it was like in the beginning? You remember when I'm sure that they did because yesterday my oldest son was at their house and he was sending me old pictures of me. So I know that they were going through the old photo albums and the old books, but but that's what God is doing with, with Judah here. He's saying, Remember what it used to be like. I remember when you loved me. I remember when things were fresh. I remember when there was passion in our relationship. I remember when you followed me, even through the barren wilderness, even in the dry desert, you still, you followed me. And when the cloud moved, you moved. And when the fire stopped, you stopped. And then you built the tabernacle so that my presence could dwell in your midst. And you offered sacrifices. Do you remember what it was like? He says, but, but you've gone away. And he continues and he says, but what did I do to cause you to leave me? What did I do that has caused you to stray so far from me? What wrong did you find with me? To me, as I read through the book of Jeremiah, you know what it reads like to me as I, as I read it? And again, I mean, you guys already know I'm messed up, but how I... How I read the book of Jeremiah is like a breakup mixtape. That's how I read it. That's how it comes across to me. And I know some of you are looking at at me right now because you don't know what a mixtape is. And that's fine because I'm about to educate you. Because back in the day, we didn't have Apple Music and we didn't have Spotify and we didn't have streaming music. And so we had LimeWire and BearShare. And if you know what LimeWire and BearShare are, you're my people. Because we would download music and download songs off the internet and there was no Bluetooth. So we had to to, to, to stick a, a CD into our dashboard to play songs that we burned from our computer onto a CD. And I was talking to my kids about burned CDs and they're like, what does that mean? Like with a lighter? Like, why would you burn a CD? And what you would do is you would take these songs that encompass how you felt in that moment. You'd burn them to a CD, and that was your mixtape. Big events, you would make mixtapes. If you're going on a road trip, you're making a road trip mixtape. If you really like somebody, you make them a mixtape with all the sappy songs. And then you give that person that CD, it's like, here's how I really feel about you they go home and they turn on some Brian McKnight or something like that. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. If you break up, you make a mixtape. All the songs that encompass your feelings in that moment, you would make this tape. And to me, the book of Jeremiah reads like a breakup mixtape from God to Israel, to to the kingdom of Judah, And if I were to make a CD on God's behalf to give to Judah, if I were to be responsible for the breakup mixtapes, because trust me, I've made some killer mixtapes in my day. (laughs) Ask Pastor Angel. Why do you think she's still sitting there 16 years later? Because of all the mixtapes that I made her. (laughs) If I was to make the mixtape for God, the first song on this breakup mixtape would be Boys to Men, End of the Road. (laughs) And some of you are laughing. Some of you have no idea because you've never heard that song. But when you read the lyrics of End of the Road and you read the book of Jeremiah, it makes perfect sense, right? We belong together and you know that I'm right. Why do you play with my heart? Why do you play with my mind? <laughs> Said we'd be forever. Said it never die. Right? You you hear that song. And then he, he continues. Some of you are like, please stop. He continues in the song. He says, will you love me again like you loved me? before. This time I want you to love me much more. So now we've come to the end of the road. It's natural. You belong to me. I belong to you. That's the covenant. I will be your God. You will be my people. See, boys to men had it. They knew. <laughs> Even at the end when the dude's talking, he's like, baby, you know I love you. He said, even those nights you were going out with those other men, I knew about it, but I'm still here, babe. (laughs) He said, just come back. Just come back to me. (laughs) If I was to make a mixtape, listen, if I was to make a mixtape for Judah, Boyz II Men, End of the Road, is essentially the book of Jeremiah. (laughs) And some of you now are never going to be able to listen to Boyz II Men the same again, and you're welcome because he's writing to them and he's communicating he's communicating his heart he says you remember what it was like when we when we loved each other and there was passion and there was desire and you were following after me but now what did i do that has caused you to leave if you would just come back to me he's recounting the relationship and he's he's assessing where it where it currently stands in chapter 2 god Says through Jeremiah, and and I I didn't put this in the notes, but I want to I want to read it to you from the text. I don't want to just paraphrase it. But verse 10 of chapter 2, he says, Go west and look in the land of Cyprus. Go east and search through the land of Kedar. Has anyone ever heard of anything as strange as this? Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones? Has any nation? Ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all. Yet mock people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. He says, you can look from west to east and you will not find another example of any people leaving And walking away from their gods to choose other gods, even the pagan nations that are around you, even the Canaanites. They worship their gods more faithfully than you've worshipped me. Like, wrap your head around that. These pagan nations who don't have the true God like you do, they worship their idols with more faithfulness than you have for me. They're more loyal to their idols than you are to the living God. He paints this very descriptive and graphic picture. And then in verse 13, here's what he says. My people have done two evil things. Number one, they've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water At all. Now he's saying a lot here, but if you don't have a cistern at home, then this is one of those passages that you can just read and it goes right over your head. You might get something out of it because you see living water and you connect that to the New Testament, Jesus referring to himself as the living water, but you really don't understand what he's saying here. You think that that the living water, and we read that, we think living water, well, that's a spiritual term because Jesus, no, it's not a spiritual term. Living water is a, a term that was very common in ancient Israel. Because in this day, there were two ways that you could get drinking water. You could get get water for use, fresh water. Number one was living water. And living water was any water that was moving. If it was a river, if it was a stream, if it was a, a fountain that bubbled up from under the surface, as long as it was moving, they would call it living water. Because it's moving, it's active, it's not stagnant. The second way that you would get water is if you didn't live near living water, if you didn't live near a stream or a river, what you would do is you would dig holes out of, out of the ground, out of the limestone. You would dig holes in, a, in an attempt to, during the two big rain seasons in that year, to collect rainfall to then be able to, to have a place that you can go to collect fresh water if you weren't near living water. So what God through Jeremiah is saying is, I am the living water. You've abandoned me. You had an endless spring. See, you don't have to replace the, 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 the water in a river. It just keeps coming from up the mountain, from up, upstream somewhere. There's always water coming through. I don't have to go fill the river because it's moving. It's active. It's a lot. He says, I was that for you. And yet you've walked away from that to dig for yourself cisterns. Now, the problem with cisterns is they would dig and they would dig in an attempt to collect water. But, but, but sometimes they would get deep enough and, and they would dig these 20, 30, 40 feet deep. And they would get to a point where they would see a crack in the limestone. There would be a crack in the rock. And water would fill up, and they'd think that it was good, only to come back the next day, and all the water has found its way out through that crack. I got a couple pictures. If you can't picture a cistern, I got a couple pictures. Go ahead and put those pictures up there. So this is what it looks like above the surface. They were building a playground in a neighborhood in Jerusalem about 10 years ago, found this cistern, dated it back to about 3,000 years ago. So this is what it looks like on the surface. They would literally just dig a hole in the ground into the limestone and hollow out this area. You can see a guy down here with a snorkel and, and, a, and, a, and goggles on. But they would hollow out this area to collect rainfall. But what God is saying is saying, he's saying, he's saying I was the, the living water that you had access to. But rather than coming to me, you chose to dig cisterns for yourself. What's he saying? Rather than finding your satisfaction in me, you've pursued other passions, you've pursued other desires, you've allowed yourself to go run after all of these other things, digging cisterns for yourself in an attempt to refresh yourself, in an attempt to to satisfy yourself, only to have those things leave you empty and broken and dry on the inside. See, this morning as we read, as we study the book of Jeremiah, a couple things that I want to, to make sure that you understand today, and that number one is that only, only God satisfies. Yeah. Only God satisfies. Only he is that living water. If you've been around church, this the scripture probably reminds you of a conversation that Jesus had in John chapter 4. John chapter four, Jesus is going through Samaria with his disciples and there's a woman coming out to draw water. Jesus strikes up a conversation with her, says, hey, can I have a drink? And they start talking. She's like, why are you even talking to me? What, do you, what are you asking me for a drink for? And Jesus is like, well, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for water. And then, and then I'd give you living water. And she's like, sir, you don't even have a pitcher. How are you gonna draw this water? And it's this conversation that goes That goes back and forth until the end of which her eyes are opened Not her physical eyes, but the eyes of her understanding, eyes of enlightenment. She recognizes who Jesus is. She says, yeah, one day the Messiah is going to come. He's going to tell us all about it. And he says, hey, that's me. I I am the Messiah is is what he says. But during this conversation, Jesus looks at her in verse 13. He says, anyone who drinks this water, the, the well water, the cistern water, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty. It becomes like a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. See, so you look at John chapter 4, Jesus says, I, I am the living water. I will give that living water to you. It will be this, this this bubbling water that doesn't run dry. You will always be satisfied as long as you are satisfied with what I have to offer. You can drink this water and you're going to be thirsty again. It's the same thing that God through Jeremiah says. Rather than coming to me, the fountain of living water, you've chased after all of these other things and they've left you empty. Listen, I don't know what you're chasing after today. I don't know those longings in your soul today, but I know that they're there because we all have them. There are those things that we desire and there's this this feeling of, God, there has to be more than this. God, God, there's got to be more to life than this. If I could just, then I would be satisfied. If I could just have that relationship and get married, then I would be satisfied. Listen to me, young person. That relationship is nothing but a cracked cistern. If I could get this promotion and this raise at work, then my life will will, will be fulfilled and then I'll have purpose and meaning. Listen, sir, that promotion and that job and that raise, it's just a cracked cistern. If I could just have this house, or if I could have this stuff, it's all cracked cisterns. And I'm not saying that promotions and raises and stuff is bad. I'm not saying that relationships are bad. I'm not saying that those things that you've been pursuing and desiring are bad things. But what I am saying is if you're trying to search after those things to bring satisfaction to those longings inside of your soul and inside of your spirit, because you think that that's what's finally going to do it, it's only going to leave you. You more dry, more empty, and more broken than you were before. Until you're satisfied in God and by God, there is nothing on this earth that will bring satisfaction. Nothing. I'm not saying don't pursue those things. I'm just saying don't pursue those things to fulfill you. I'm not saying marriage is bad. You should, you should want to be married. But what I am saying is if you're waiting for that marriage or that relationship to finally bring the satisfaction in your heart that you've been longing for, you're missing it. Because if you're not satisfied in Christ, by Christ, and through Christ, there is no satisfaction to be had. Amen. Only he is the living water that produces that. We chase after all of these These other things and all we're doing, God says you're digging cracked cisterns. Stop pursuing that, stop stop chasing after that. Start pursuing me, start looking to me. What, What do you look to to bring satisfaction in your life? Comfort, recreation, money, prestige, power, success, popularity, recognition. What are those things? Sir, that that next contract that you sign, that's not going to bring satisfaction. The business you're trying to build, that's not going to bring satisfaction. Whatever it is, the the next degree, more letters before your name, that's not going to bring satisfaction. That's not going to bring fulfillment. Only God can. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I've had everything and I've had nothing. I've been full and I've I've had an um, empty stomach. Rich, poor, whatever, you name it. I've been there. I've walked it. I've lived it. I've seen it. He said, I've found the secret to be content in all situations. And here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, no matter what I have, I can be satisfied because I'm satisfied in Christ. If I have the relationship, I can be satisfied because I'm satisfied first in Jesus. If I don't, I can still be satisfied because my satisfaction comes not from a relationship, but comes from my creator, comes from my maker, comes from the lover of my soul. And as long as I'm with him, I know that no matter what happens, I can be satisfied. That's why you, you find people and when things are good, like, yeah, things are great. But as soon as that cistern is empty, it's like, I just need more. Constantly chasing after all of these other things, just digging cistern after cistern after cistern. Meanwhile, God is like, come back to the fountain, come back to the living water. Okay, but but how do I do that? Jeremiah chapter seven, turn to Jeremiah chapter chapter seven, it'll be on the screen for you as well. Another word comes to Jeremiah and he goes to the temple. He says, even now, if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your own land. This is, this is like, listen to what God's saying. For hundreds of years now, they've rebelled against God. It's this on again, off again, worship God, worship idols. Never really any heart change, but as long as a king wants to lead me in worship of God, I'll worship God. When things are going good, then sure, I'll give, I'll give God his dues. And so for hundreds of years, God's been saying, listen, if you don't repent, if you don't come back, there's judgment coming. There's judgment coming. There's judgment coming. Now you're living in the southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom's already been taken away. In and, and Babylonia, like, they're coming to power. Nebuchadnezzar's on the rise, and like you're hearing rumors, and you're hearing stories. And, and yet, at Jeremiah's word, they, they still don't believe. And rather than allowing the words of the prophet to soften their hearts and bring them back to God, it just makes them harder. And God, through Jeremiah and Jeremiah chapter 7, he says, even now, listen, listen, I know all the things that I've said, but let's just say you start today. Even now, if you'll repent today, I'll let you stay in the land. <laughs> like, what are you waiting for? Like, what did you think was going to happen? Even now, I will let you stay in your own land. Verse 4, he says, But don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here. We read that, we don't really understand what's what's going on. See, one of the things that, that God through Jeremiah spoke against was false prophets. Because there were a lot of people who would come and say, this is what God says. And it's like, God didn't really say that. There's really not a lot of difference from Jeremiah's day to our day. Because you could go out there and you can turn on your TV or turn on YouTube and find a prophet who says whatever you want them to say. This person is going to do this or this person is going to be president or this person and this is going to happen at this time. Like you, can, you can find prophecies and you can, you can bookmark that and you can send it out to everybody on your email list and this is what the word of the Lord says. But, but you know what Jeremiah says? God through Jeremiah says, he says, you should look to those people and see if what they say really does come to pass. Definitely. And if it doesn't come to pass, then those prophets who say that they're speaking for the Lord better be careful. Go back and read Jeremiah Jeremiah 28, today's reading. Read the encounter with Hananiah, where Jeremiah puts this yoke on, and he says, here's what God says, that the yoke of Babylon has been placed on you because of your rebellion, and he's going to take you into captivity for 70 years. And Hananiah stands up, and he says, this is what God says. God says, I'm breaking the yoke of Babylon, and within two years, Babylon will be nothing. Like, it's not as bad as Jeremiah's making it seem. That's not really what God's saying. Listen, listen, God's going to bless you because the temple is here. The temple is here. They were saying, listen, because Solomon's temple and this is the, the place of the worship of God and this is, this is God's, God's land and his place and his dwelling place, God would never allow this stuff to happen. So in two years, God says he's going to... God comes to Jeremiah. And at the end of this encounter... Jeremiah says, essentially, I'm paraphrasing. Jeremiah says, you said you speak for God and the people are believing your lies. And because you've led them astray, God says that you must die. Because you have, you have stood up and said, this is what God is saying. And rather than speaking from God's heart, you're speaking from your heart and using God to bring authority to your voice. He says, "You must die. You must. There is a penalty. There is a price to be paid." And I'm not saying that every. I'm not saying. I'm not saying everybody out there who's prophesying is a false prophet. I'm just saying, test the prophecy. Come on. yes. Number one, does it line up with God's word? Number two, is it agree with God's heart and God's character? And number three, if they're if they're giving specific prophecies about specific things, do those specific things happen? If not, stop listening to them. So he says. People are, people are telling you, and it, it wasn't just the prophets. There were politicians, there were rulers, there were leaders that were saying, listen, guys, you don't have to worry. The temple's here. God would never let anything happen to the temple because we are his people. God's not gonna let anything happen to us. Yeah. Jeremiah says, don't be fooled by these people that tell you the temple is here, the temple is here. He says, it's It's a lie. Do you really think that you can steal, murder, commit adultery, lie, burn incense to Baal and all of these other new gods of yours and then come here into my temple and stand before me and chant, we are safe, only to go right back to all of those evils again. Listen, as I was reading this week and as I was preparing, and as I was studying, this verse was like flashing on the page. And I think if if, if ever there was an accurate representation or portrayal or descriptor of the American church, I don't know if you're going to find a better one than this. Because we come into God's place and we come into God's house and we come into his presence and we say, the temple is here, the temple is here. Let's worship God, let's worship God. Only to then go back out and lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery. Like, well, I haven't cheated on my spouse. Jesus says, if you have lust in your heart and you start looking at the the percentage of church attenders born again, confessing Christians that are struggling with lust and pornography addiction, tell me you haven't committed adultery in your heart. I've never murdered anybody. If you have anger in your heart towards your brother, if you have hatred in your heart, you've committed murder. And just because we come into church on Sunday, well, let's worship God, let's worship God. We're in his presence, we're in his house. And then you think you're okay to go back out there and continue to do those things and be safe? Why? Simply because the temple? See, the problem problem is that they had focused on the symbol of worship while giving up the substance of worship. The symbol of worship was the temple is where we worship. But the substance, the heart, and then the God that they were worshiping, they had forgotten all about that, and it became about a place. And they were focused on a holy place without allowing God to make them into a holy people. They resorted to religion. My God never wanted religion. He said, I just wanted to be in relationship with you. You think that you can come into church and Worship and worship and then leave and go back to to all of these cisterns that you're digging and be safe. He says, there's there's no way. See only God satisfies, but relationship, not religion, brings the satisfaction. It's only through intimacy with him. It's only through daily connection with him. It's only as we, we walk with him and we commune with him and we speak with him and we spend time with him and we get to know his heart and we share with him our hearts that we can build that relationship to where daily I come to the well to be satisfied by him. So that no matter what's happening and no matter who's president and no matter what the inflation rate is, no matter how much I'm spending to fill up my gas tank, I can still be satisfied. Why? Because it doesn't come from all of these other things. It comes from God. Amen. It's through relationship with him. Jesus, in John chapter 4, has this conversation with the woman at the well. It says that she ran back to the town and she told everybody, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. They come, they come out of their homes and they come walking out. And it's at this point that Jesus tells his disciples, lift up your eyes The harvest is ripe, and they're looking for the field, and he says, (laughs) he didn't say it in scripture, but I I can just see him like, hey, stupid, no, not there, them. As the people are coming out, Jesus says, lift up your eyes, the harvest, and they lift up their eyes, what do they see? They see a whole village of people coming out to see this man. And they come out, and he, he teaches them, he talks to them, he shares his message with them, and They beg him to stay. Please, will you stay with us? He stays for two days. And in verse 42 of John chapter four, it's a verse that when we teach this passage, we often, like we move on before we get to this point, but I think it's a critical point, especially for what we're talking about today. They come out, they encounter Jesus, they experience Jesus. He stays with them for two days and it says that that many of them came to faith. And in verse 42, they say to the woman, Now we believe, this is the woman who came back from the well, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. A lot of times the The woman gets focus in the scripture and rightfully so in Jesus and the things that he says and what he teaches at the well gets the focus and and rightfully so. But I think oftentimes the villagers get left out of the conversation. There was a revival that started in their community because Jesus came passing through. And in this text, they, they look to the woman and they say, thank you for introducing us. But now we believe not just because of the stories you shared, like, don't get me wrong, Susan, it was a great story. And we thank you for, for sharing your story with us. But now we believe not because of what you've told us, but because of what we've experienced. And if you're here and you have those longings in your heart and you wake up knowing that there's gotta be more to life than this, and why do I feel so empty? And why do I feel so dry? And why do I keep pursuing all of these other things only to, to have it be like sand in my fingers and it falls through just when I thought I had a grasp on it? Why is that? because you're pursuing the wrong thing. How do I find it? It's in relationship with Jesus. And and until you have a personal encounter with him, it will always be like sand through your fingers. Here's the truth, guys. Like I can get up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and tell you story after story and sing boys to men to you and it would be a great time. (laughs) And I can tell you about a God who loves you I can tell you about a God who before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. I can tell you about a God who has a plan and a purpose and a destiny on your life. A God who, when he looks at you, he looks with such joy in his heart because of all of his creation, you are his most prized and his most beloved and the one that he's chosen to be an intimate relationship with. I can tell you stories about a savior who came and gave up his life so that you could have new life who chose to to hang between heaven and earth to redeem and to restore what was lost and what was broken, who took upon himself your sin and your shame and paid the price that you should have paid, who bled and who died for the remission of your sin, but then three days later, who got up out of that grave so now you can live victoriously in him and through him. You can come into church week after week and I can tell you about the Holy Spirit who God sent as a comforter, as an advocate, as a seal upon the lives of believers, as the one who will lead you into all truth and will show you the path to take and the path to avoid the one who gives gifts and the one who equips and the one who empowers you to now no longer live according to your sinful nature as a slave to those things, but be empowered to live according to the spirit, to walk in the abundant life that Christ has for you. I can come in and you can come and week after week after week, I can tell you stories, but until you experience it for yourself, you'll always leave unsatisfied. It might pique your interest. It might encourage you for a day, but it's not enough to keep you going. They said, we thank you for the stories, but it wasn't your stories that convinced us. It was, it was having a personal encounter with him that has led us to believe that truly he is the savior of the world. Today, I don't know where you find yourself and I don't, I don't know what those longings are inside of your soul. I don't know the many cisterns that you've tried to dig to try and bring satisfaction to those empty places of your life. I don't know what pursuits you've been running after to try and bring fulfillment. What I can tell you is that that I know my God and I know the character of my God and I know the heart of my God and God wants nothing more than to to fill those empty places of your life. He wants nothing more than to bring satisfaction into those those dry and barren places, those places that are broken. He He wants to bring healing, but he can't until you choose to be in relationship with him. Coming to church and hearing stories about God is not enough to do it until you have a personal encounter and a personal relationship and experience the lover and the creator of your soul for yourself. Young person, it's not about what mom and dad believe. It's not about what mom and dad say. It's not about mom and dad's relationship with God. It's time for you to develop a personal, have a personal encounter with him. That's why camp is so important. If you haven't signed your kids up for camp, please sign them up for camp. This morning, if, if you need to be satisfied, if you read that and it's like, oh man, that's me. I've been spending so much energy and time and resources and passion on all of these other things and I think I have it, but then when I dig a little bit further, there's a crack in everything that I work for is gone. Today, don't allow yourself... To leave and fool yourself into thinking that if you don't change, things are going to be different. Don't allow yourself to fool yourself into thinking that this this next this next one's different. This next cistern, there's no cracks there. What's interesting is they would they would dig a couple feet and then they'd fill it with water and it would hold. And they'd dig a couple feet and they'd fill it with water and it would hold. And then they'd dig a couple feet and they'd fill with water and it would hold. But they would always need more, and so they would have to dig a little bit deeper. And they dig a little bit deeper. And they dig a little bit deeper. And it got to this point where it was like, okay, do we want to try to go deeper? Because if we go a little bit deeper, there could be a crack that we don't see just below the surface. In our lives, it's the same way. You might be pursuing other things, and it's holding water. And you're playing around ankle deep, and it's like, oh, it's refreshing. It's not. It's not satisfying you. Well, let me dig down a little bit deeper. Let me run into this a little bit more. And oh, look, it's not leaking yet. The Bible says sin is pleasing for a season, but ultimately brings destruction. So maybe your your system is not completely empty right now, but maybe that next shovelful is going to reveal the crack that lets it all go. The only way that you can guarantee yourself to live a satisfied life where daily you can be fulfilled, regardless of what's happening, is a relationship with Jesus. It's not coming to the the place of worship, and not be a person of worship. To not put emphasis on the symbol of worship, but come back to the substance of worship. Not to to walk in religion, but to, to be intimate in relationship with him. Today, if you would, just stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Here at Dream City, Omaha, we're all about three things helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals, and we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ.